Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs, and thanks for being with us. We begin this week with uncertainty aplenty. In Ukraine, Russian missile strikes have hit power stations and other infrastructure as well as civilian targets. Russian troops have all but encircled the eastern Ukraine city of Bakhmut. The Ukrainians claim they've held much of the city amid reports they've also blunted the Russian attacks on the city to take control. The Russians are taking heavy casualties in this war, and it's clear the Russian forces mean to retake Bakhmut and the Donetsk region. And investors in U.S. markets are understandably unsettled today. Investors anxious in face of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the second biggest bank collapse in 14 years. Treasury Secretary Yellen says there will be no federal bailout of the bank, the bank's big money owners, squealing now for that bailout that Yellen says won't be forthcoming. And Yellen maintains there will be no such federal giveaway to owners, but they will back up uninsured depositors of the bank. The big money owners are squealing for that bailout, but Secretary Yellen maintains there will be no such federal giveaway to the owners, that the FDIC is using its resources to get money up to $250,000 to the insured depositors of the bank. The Fed and the FDIC can also backstop uninsured depositors, which they may well do in order to prevent runs on smaller banks and prevent a contagion across the country. There are reports an auction is underway to buy the failed bank, Elon Musk reportedly offering to buy SVB. But there's no reason not to expect considerable downward pressure and volatility in the markets today. In the Mideast, Saudi Arabia has clearly and dramatically pivoted away from the Biden regime, and it is now aligning with China and Russia in favor of Iran. China has brokered a deal for Saudi Arabia to restore diplomatic relations with Iran. The Biden foreign policy is, in other words, in flames in Europe with the Russian war on Ukraine and being shredded in the Mideast and in suspense in the Asia-Pacific region where China is on the march threatening to invade Taiwan. All this is the Biden regime has admitted the China virus originated in Wuhan in a virology lab there supported in part by Dr. Fauci and the NIH. The origin of the virus confirmed by the intelligence agency of the Department of Energy. As I said, uncertainty abounds. Destabilization is underway, it seems, in nearly every quarter of the globe. Our guest today is a highly regarded diplomat and national security expert. Rick Grinnell served as director of national intelligence in the Trump administration and as U.S. ambassador to Germany. Great to have you back with us, Ambassador Grinnell, and welcome. Let's start with the latest revelation that the Department of Homeland Security also turns out to have its own domestic spying agency. Your thoughts, Ambassador? 
Look, when you look at the details of this program, and I got to be very careful not to reveal any classified information, uh, but um, let, let me just say two things about it. One, I believe in transparency. I think that uh, it's, it's woefully lacking in Washington, D.C. Transparency is not political, not partisan. Uh, you're not helping one side or the other. You're helping the American people when you're transparent. And so I I've long said that the intelligence community has a credibility problem. And I think April Haynes, our current DNI, really needs to tackle this, be honest, and, and come forward. We've seen Republicans and Democrats going after uh, April Haynes because um, she's not transparent. This program in particular really needs uh, the DHS secretary, needs the, the DNI to come forward and explain it. Parts of it, um, let me just say, I've got to be super careful here, but um, uh, let me say it this way. Having perfect information is the goal. So the more information we can get, the better. Um, obviously, as I was talking about, transparency is important. But when you're collecting um, information, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, from people who have a history of being involved in nefarious activities, it can be very important. Um, but, but obviously in America, this needs to be a transparent process. It does not need to be secretive. There needs to be oversight from Capitol Hill, aggressive oversight. And of course, each individual should have their own attorney present. Well, I, I think that makes all the sense in the world, Rick, and, and uh, I would endorse your view. Uh, what I'm having trouble with right now is understanding the level of oversight from our from our Congress and from our Senate, because it seems woefully inadequate uh, to the to the desires of the public, the American public, and their right to know. Uh, it, the congressional committees, and I'm talking about everything from intelligence to over uh, the oversight committee itself, judiciary, subcommittees, are being told to go to hell by the Biden administration, and an and absolute resistance against any meaningful oversight. Uh, your thoughts about the state of current oversight uh, and uh, where we need to go? Well, I think you just hit it on the head. Um, the, there's a trick that, that the administrations do, and I really tried to get around it, but it, it happens to be the, uh, the rule, basically, for Congress. There's this thing, as you know, called the Gang of Eight, and it's the leaders, it's the eight leaders from the House and the Senate uh, for leadership and for the Intelligence Committee. Just the leadership, eight people out of 535 members of the House and Senate. Eight people get briefed, and so the trick that the intelligence community does is that people like Avril Haines will say, well, this is a huge concern. The media are focused on it sometimes. The, the right or the left are concerned about something. So she'll call a meeting with just the gang of eight to brief the gang of eight. Now, the problem is, is that when you give information to just them, it doesn't trickle down to the oversight committees. They can use it how they will. They can say things like Adam shifted for years. I've seen something that you haven't, so you need to shut up because I know more. So they manipulate the process. And lastly, I'll say this, in practice, the gang of eight is a real problem because most of the time, the actual elected official doesn't show up. 
they send their chief counsel or their intelligence legislative assistant or their, their committee director. That's a big problem. And I can tell you from the congressional side of things, from the executive branch, that many times our congressional uh, liaisons at the department, uh, at the uh, at DNI or CIA or any of the uh, intelligence agencies would get extremely frustrated because they couldn't get to the member. And that's got to change. There, if you're going to sit on the intelligence committee, you can't do, pull an Adam Schiff and pretend like you have full information when you are really articulating partial information, partisan information, and not being transparent with the American public. Yeah, and just to, just to give the audience some sense of what we're talking about, uh, on the current gang of eight, we're talking about Michael Turner, Republican in the House, uh, uh, Jim Himes, Mark Warner, uh, Marco Rubio, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, that's a small band of elites uh, with which the intelligence community works. Uh, it is, to me, a, a terrible, terrible bargain that the Congress and the Senate have made. Uh, the leadership, I understand, and the concerns on the part of the intelligence community about maintaining uh, classified uh, information. But to your point about transparency, it's anything but, and it certainly doesn't seem to me to comport to uh, the ideals of oversight. I, that's exactly the point, Lou. I think you hit it on the head. It is not what the oversight committees are charged to do. They have a responsibility to, to dig deep on the agencies that they cover, and they're doing that to make sure that money is well spent, that programs are, are working, that uh, successfully, um, you know, identifying a, a, a program, get, uh, then that program gets more money. If a program is not successful, you cut the money. And this is the type of oversight that has to be done. Remember, in the last Congress, one-fourth of the Gang of Eight was Schiff and Pelosi. These are not the people that you would typically have picked uh, to be over, overseeing the intelligence community, which is a vast, as you know better than anyone, uh, a vast enterprise. Uh, and uh, including, by the way, just mentioning the Department of Homeland Security, we find out there is a domestic intelligence program underway. Uh, we find out that uh, because of the announcements uh, from the administration, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on the on the issue of the origin of the uh, the China virus being in of all places China, I in in point of fact Wuhan China, I, the intelligence department resides in, uh, in in the energy department. This intelligence agency that files this report, I, I did not know that energy had an intel operation. Uh, do you, and I think most Americans didn't. What do you think? Well, you would be surprised at how many um, intelligence agencies are embedded. Let me just say that. Um, look, I, I, I feel really passionate about this subject because uh, I hope that um, our listeners here will go to the DNI website, pull up the April 30th, 2020 statement that I negotiated. Uh, and, and remember now, I was acting DNI at the beginning of COVID and through the first uh, four months of it. Right. And it's, it's incredibly important to look at this statement because this is 
what we call an IC-wide statement, meaning every single intelligence agency signed off on this statement. And I negotiated it. It's incredibly difficult to get done to have every single uh, intelligence agency sign off on it. And in this statement, in April of 2020, we made clear that China was responsible and that it was uh, at, in Wuhan, at the Wuhan lab, and it was either, and this is what the intelligence community believed, either an accident in the lab or an animal to human transmission from the lab. And, and either way, whether it was an injected animal or a sloppy process uh, that, that Wuhan had underway or uh, an accident in the lab, either way, it was Wuhan and it was the lab. And then and there was a cover-up. And we knew this in April 30th, 2020. I hope people will read this. The, the most frustrating part of the last week for me is the lack of media scrutiny on Jennifer Granholm, who is the Secretary of Energy. Right. No one has asked her, why are you just claiming this today when your entire team or the team at Department of Energy signed off on the Wuhan responsibility for COVID in April of 2020. We've known this. They, they didn't want it out in April of 2020 because they had an election to manipulate. That is the fact. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, this is not a singular incident. Uh, we also, for example, a, a parallel, I believe, to this is the statement by the FBI in August of 2021 that they had fully investigated January 6th and the uh, the uh, protesters, demonstrators on that day and did not find any uh, cohesion, cooperation, or any conspiracy to, to, uh, to do anything akin to what the January 6th committee uh, declared the, the protesters to have done. It was settled actually by the FBI in August of 2021 but then we have to, for the purpose of the election in 2022, again, uh, the Democrats exploited it uh, mercilessly. And by mercilessly, I'm using the term advisedly. When you look at 900 people who are in the grip of uh, a prisoner of war status because they have crossed uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Marxist left of the Democratic Party. What do you think? It's 100 percent clear that we were not told the full story. Selective footage was done in a primetime special. And we, we knew this was going to happen because when you have an investigative arm of Congress in a special select investigative committee, you should have a dissenting voice on that committee. It is basic. It's a basic principle of the United States of America to have a dissenting voice. But Lou, we saw for years this sham committee with no dissenting voice. They hand-selected two Republicans who believed like they did. And so I'm troubled because, uh, you know, look, I travel the world and, and I meet with world leaders regularly. And the, the fact of the matter is we have a lot of people who look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., and they say, how can you tell us not to have sham committees if you're doing it. How, how can you tell us to be more transparent 
and open with the media, when your media literally regurgitates what the regime says, we are ruining our credibility, and I should be more specific, Washington, D.C. types, the political types, the, the media types, the, the political class are ruining our reputation and our credibility by having this scam system where reporters pretend to be unbiased, but they're totally partisan, where we have investigative committees that have no dissenting voice, completely un-American, and then we find out two years later that this huge committee never looked at all of the footage and didn't release it to the American people. Shame on reporters in Washington, D.C. for fighting against transparency. It's just puzzling, and I don't understand how they can live with themselves. It's totally un-American not to have a dissenting voice, not to have full transparency. I couldn't agree with you more. And and even worse, I believe, is that most of those reporters are pretending to be reporters. They are not uh, fair and balanced. They're not objective. Uh, they are bought and paid for by uh, corporate America and Wall Street. And uh, this is not conspiracy uh, talk. This is This is fact. The corporate owners of national media control uh, what we see and what we hear emanating from our nation's capital. It's that straightforward. Uh, do you dissent? No, I think, I think it's true. We've, we've you know, really um, just turned into this system where it's all about clicks. It's all about corporate money. Um, they're very comfortable. The, the, the oversight of these corporations, the board, the CEOs, the news directors, they're all very comfortable with presenting one-sided information as long as they can make money. And what, what needs to happen is that we need to have pushback uh, from real journalists who will stand up and say, look, I, I'm going to present uh, you know, facts and, and fight against both sides. I'm going to be skeptical of both sides. That's that's journalism. But I got to tell you, Lou, you know, you're an old school journalist, um, but we have a whole crop of, of phony reporters in Washington, D.C. who have been trained to not call the sources, to take another outlet's uh, story, rewrite it. And when they get in trouble because they built their story on, on a faulty story, from another reporter, when they when they get in trouble and you 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 know call them up and you say why are you writing that they say oh that wasn't me that was ABC News I, I just picked up on ABC News. We have a whole class of reporters who think that their sources are other journalists, and rather than picking up the phone and calling the actual person that you're talking about to get the full story, they're lazy. They rewrite stories. They call them rewrites, and and I think it's a crisis in journalism. I think that, that um, the news editors should be held responsible, and we, we're going to have to make a change somehow so that there is a responsibility for media companies to uh, give both sides or have the truth or, or be held liable if they're going to print something that is built on a fallacy. Well, the fallacies are actually being constructed by the editors that uh, whom you're describing. Uh, Jeff Zucker, uh, in the last day or two, 
saying that uh, it, it, we learned that he had told his news organization at CNN when he was running CNN to uh, dismiss the origins of the Wuhan virus, uh, that uh, it was just uh, basically not a story that uh, was worthy of further discussion. Uh, that was Jeff Zucker as the head of CNN doing exactly what he was told by his corporate masters, uh, most likely at AT&T. These are, these are outrages against even the idea of journalism in this country. Uh, we no longer have independent objective journalists. Uh, we have a group of pretend journalists doing pretend journalism uh, when they particularly look at the White House press corps, Rick. Uh, these journalists are acting as if Joe Biden isn't an impaired uh, puppet uh, of of the Marxist Dems who lead the Democrat Party. And then they pretend that what he's saying makes perfect sense and that and they do not follow up to see what are the consequences of the policies, whether it's an open border to the south, whether it is a uh, an impending war uh, involving U.S. troops as well as material and weapons. Uh, in Ukraine. And the list goes on. It, it is bizarre. And uh, apparently enough of the public are feeding on it uh, to to make it sustainable. And as is uh, until the 118th Congress, led by the Republicans, until the point that that uh, Congress convened, uh, everything was just fine in Washington as far as the leadership of both parties seemed to seem to think. Yeah, it's really an outrage, and the only word that I can come up with is it's totally un-American. I think that's a great word for it. Uh, and now we have the Treasury Department refusing to cooperate with the Republican oversight uh, investigation of the of President Biden uh, and his family's business dealings. And we have a, a Treasury Department that has always turned over suspicious activity reports to the majority who whomever was in charge uh, at the time uh, in, in Congress. Now the Biden administration has brought the hammer down on that. And they're refusing to give Chairman James Comer and his oversight committee those suspicious activity reports as they pertain to Hunter Biden and th perhaps the president himself. Well, they get away with it because there used to be a pushback from the media. There used to be a, a system in place where when one party over stepped, there would be consequences from the media. They would be mocked. They would be highlighted for their lack of transparency, but that doesn't happen. So what we see is, is the left continues to ratchet up their weaponization of government. And it's really uh, one of those things that, that is shameful, but it's going to continue to happen until we fix the media. Fix the media and and fix the intelligence community. And I and this is where I'd like to turn to you for some, some judgment, because, as you know, we have coming up uh, deep discussions uh, preparing uh, for uh, under the Section 702 of the uh, Foreign Intelligence uh, uh, Act. Uh, this is going to be a big deal. And what we have seen is that both parties rubber stamp the the surveillance powers of the intelligence community, uh, which is permitting domestic spying in point of fact. Uh, your thoughts about the 702, the Section 702 uh, being extended once again uh, and the abuses that we've all lived through over the course of the past seven years? Well, there's a great debate on this subject. Uh, what I think that we have to do is use 
transparency as the only criteria. When we, when we can't be transparent with the American public, then we get laws that are off balance. We get politicians that manipulate the process and we get big corporations that take advantage. I think that the best sunlight is transparency. And if corporations, if individuals are not going to be transparent, then there needs to be some sort of consequences and there needs to be a pushback from our elected officials. Well, you know, I think that's terrific and I think uh, spot on. And I, and I, I'm praying that the leadership of both parties will not simply insist on a, a rubber stamp of 702 because it is broken and we've paid a high price. No one, as you uh, well know, uh, a greater price than President Trump, who's been the subject of political persecution for. We're now in the seventh year of it, and there has been no finding of wrongdoing whatsoever. Meanwhile, we learned that four FBI directors have uh, lied. One of the leaders of the uh, original Russian hoax uh, frame-up uh, is himself now uh, charged with <laughs> collusion with the Russians. Uh, it, it is, it's mind-boggling. Uh, Rick, as always, we give our guests here the last word, and uh, we thank you for being with us. And uh, as always, uh, terrific, terrific uh, insight and perspective. We appreciate it. If you will, your concluding thoughts. Well, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity. I would just take a moment to talk about my work in California. I run an organization called Fix California. Uh, we're trying um, to take advantage of the frustration that many conservatives have in California. We're doing great work by going county by county to clean up the voter rolls, and we have an aggressive uh, campaign to register conservatives. We're currently registering 10,000 conservatives every month in California, and we'd love to have your help. Um, you can go to FixCalifornia.com and learn more. FixCalifornia.com, and we will be reminding the audience uh, of your efforts, uh, and, and Rick is, of course, the, the founder and the chairman of the organization. Uh, great work. Uh, we expect nothing less uh, in, in any capacity on the part of Rick Grinnell. Rick, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it, uh, and come back soon. All the best, Lou. Thank you. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, and he is the founder and chairman of FixCalifornia.com. That's FixCalifornia.com. Please check it out, and please follow me at Lou Dobbs on True Social, at Lou Dobbs on Twitter, and our website at LouDobbs.com. Thanks, everybody, for being with us here tomorrow with all that's going on in our intelligence agencies and around the world. We've asked a former National Security Agency intelligence analyst and whistleblower to join us with his perspective. We'll be doing a number of interviews with former National Security Agency intelligence analyst Russ Tice. We begin this series tomorrow here on The Great America Show. Please join us tomorrow. Until then, thank you. God bless you. And God bless America.